All right, Will Mansell alongside Clay Ferrero. Yes, our Miami Sports Pod is back. And for the Miami Heat, it's the playoffs are back, Clay. So that's what we're going to discuss uh, this entire podcast to start looking ahead of the postseason. And when you look at what the Heat were able to accomplish, number one seed in the Eastern Conference playing their best basketball. Let's forget about the Sunday game against Orlando to end the season where nobody played. Six straight wins, though, with their core guys. And I think you have to feel pretty good entering the playoffs. Let's get your initial thoughts. How do you feel about the Heat entering the playoffs? And then we'll get to the specifics of matchups. Well, very good. And and I think part of the reason why you feel good is because they went through some adversity and they bounced back from it. And I, I think they, you know, Eric Spolstra. Adversity, you mean throwing a clipboard, right? Yeah, well, hey, <laughs> and look, anger I remember a bench. long time ago that uh, when, when the Heat got Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade said, and I, I always use this line, he said, well, Jimmy's crazy, but his crazy matches Eric Spolstra's crazy. And we're about to find out if that's true. Look, I mean, a lot of teams, you have that kind of blow up between the head coach. We can, look, look, I know everybody says, oh, this happens all the time. This happens all the time. Maybe it does, but a lot of times teams don't bounce back from that because it causes this clash and teams aren't able to recover. In this case, they recovered and they played well. Now, uh, playoffs are a whole new ball game, and we all know that, so we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but I feel good about this team because Eric Spolster usually goes into the lab and does crazy things. And you remember uh, benching Myers Leonard and Kendrick Nunn before the playoffs in the bubble. I mean, he'll do these things that end up working out. He just happened to do him a little bit earlier this time where Max yeah. Struess enters the starting lineup, tightening up the rotations a bit. So it worked. And now that you've kind of seen the sample size there, you have to feel good going into these playoffs that the adjustments they've already made have clicked and, and they seem to be playing their best ball and assuming that Bam's able to play in game one and, yeah. and moving forward, he's okay. You got to feel good. To Clay's point about Ben Adebayo, Sunday was announced he's in health and safety protocols prior to the game against the Magic. Uh, the expectation is that he'll be ready. The good news for the Heat is he, they don't play the Heat until next Sunday. Now, we don't know who they're going to play. We'll get into the possibilities of the matchups in a moment. But the Eastern Conference is set up. That's it. The Heat are the number one seed. We already know that. When you look at the way the East shook out, though, I feel good about the Heat because that adversity they showed – you know, that they had to deal with and the way they bounced back and won those six straight games. Clay, they won it in the way that they have to win. They did it with defense. They did it with toughness. They did it with three-point shooting. And they did it with a balance that I think makes them the number one team in the East. I know, and you know, and I think Heat fans know that the odds makers say, what'd you tell me before we taped that the Heat are what? Fifth as yeah. far as odds. That's not in the NBA. That's in the Eastern Conference. The Heat finished with the third best record in the NBA, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which means they had the best record in the East. Four-time in franchise history, the number one seed. And Vegas thinks they're the fifth best team as far as odds of getting out of the Eastern Conference. But when you look at the depth that they have, when you look at, at the bench led by Tyler Hero, who we'll get to in a moment, when you look at the leadership, you, know, you see Adonis Haslam leading the huddle there, but I mean Jimmy Butler, the, the Kyle Lowry now being that floor general and that leader. When you look at what they have done, to me, I feel good about this team because, and Bam mentioned it this week too, Clay. I know you heard him say it. We were the number one seed, Bam said in the East, despite the fact that our key players missed 15 plus games. I mean, Jimmy Butler, Bam himself missed two months almost with that thumb injury and they had to have the surgery. Kyle Lowry out numerous times due to personal reasons. Uh, Tyler Hero missed time. You look at, the guys, P.J. Tucker at the end of the season had to miss a little time. 
Caleb Martin, who was so vital to them. Victor Lodipo, who didn't even come back until later in the year. Marquise Morris missed over 50 games. Duncan Robinson was hot and cold throughout Everybody. the year. Then Max Truce turns around. I mean, you go Everybody. down the list. And yet, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. So as they open up this these playoffs and this, what they hope will be a long stretch, do you think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference? You know what? I, and I'm trying not to be a homer about this. I do. And, and it's for this reason. I, now, I will say this. Milwaukee scares me more than anybody else. Because Milwaukee I just, and Boston, I think. I, yeah, Boston, but I, I feel like the Heat in games that matter against them, they just have a thing. They have a thing against Boston that when, when it matters the most, they find a way to beat that team. Remember last year when the Heat needed to win in Boston to avoid the play-in game? They did it. And obviously in the in the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago, they did. And, and then this year, again, they went to Boston. And again, I mean, that was a vital game for the Heat. Mm-hmm. They go in and for Boston, they go in there and they did it. They won that game. So I feel confident in their – Milwaukee scares me because they have – it's Giannis gets all the all the love and for good mm-hmm. reason. Drew, uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Holiday. Middleton terrify yeah. me down yeah. the street. I Drew we saw that. Look, they they beat the Heat in four games last year. We saw they it. beat the Heat four, and and they have two guys that Middleton and Drew. Both of those guys, their game goes here, late in games when it matters the most. They just take it to another level, and so I, that's the team that scares me more than anybody. And it's not that the other teams don't have the ability to beat Miami, but will when you ask me who the best team is. Defense matters, and it matters a lot, and it matters a lot more in the playoffs than it does at any other point during the NBA season. So I feel like the odds makers and our producer Dukey line brought up a good point about the odds makers. It's all about getting equal money on all sides, right? Of course, and, yeah. It's not about necessarily who they think is the best team. That's not the way it works. So, but fifth so, is a little exaggerated. Fifth, yeah, I mean, come on. But but no, no, exactly. And what he was saying is a good point. Like if you put Brooklyn as fifth, for instance, a ton of money is going to come in on Brooklyn. And if Brooklyn happens to win, then then the books lose and all that. Whereas the Heat, like the public perception is, oh, this is a team that, hey, they don't have the mega stars at the other four. Because look, I mean, if you ask me which team has the best or two best players, then maybe you do put the Heat fifth. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe with, with mm, Boston, I don't I know, still they, don't the Browns there yet. But look, James Harden and, and Joel Embiid, I'm, okay, I, I'm not going to argue too much with it. Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, and, and I'm, I just mentioned the guys on Milwaukee. So, but I, yeah. it's a team sport, and defense matters a lot. Yeah. And if you ask me who the best team in the East is, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go Miami right now. And, and if, if you were to argue Milwaukee, I'm not going to argue against you. But I would say that, to me, those are the two best yeah. teams in the East. You look at the breakdown, right? The Celtics were the hottest team in the second half of the year. They were the best team in the NBA record-wise for much of the second half of the year. But the Heat really took care of business against them recently, and they lost Robert Williams, the big center, who was so big. You mentioned defense, so big on what was the number one defense of the NBA in the Celtics. I look at the Bucs battle test. They won a championship last year. This You mentioned the, the, the guys there. But when I look at the Heat, I see the best team. I see the deepest team. I see the most depth. I see the most potential to have that depth come up in key moments. I don't see on any other team in the East – where a guy like a Duncan Robinson can come off the bench and hit seven threes. I don't see a team in the East that has a guy like Tyler Hero, who we'll talk about in a moment, who could do what he does. A Victor Oladipo in the finale against the Magic on Sunday had 40 points, and I'm not even sure Victor Oladipo is in the playoff rotation. So I think to answer the question, I do think the Heat are the best team in the East. But when you look at what they have to get through, there are two things. 
the the teams that come out of the play in and that's and that eight seed in the play in, which I'm going to break down now. We're going to get you know discussion on. And you said the Bucks, right? As a dangerous team, I said the Celtics. Well, guess what? They don't have to face the Bucks or the Celtics until at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. That's the beauty of being the number one seed in the East, and that is, I think, what puts Miami in great position as they enter these playoffs. I think they handle Philly in a second round if they have to. I think they handle Toronto if for some reason Toronto upsets Philly. I worry if they would have had to play Boston or Milwaukee in that second round. But before they get to the first round matchup, for those fans that aren't familiar with the way the playing works, we have it listed there. The Heat are going to face either the Nets, the Cavs, the Hawks, or the Hornets in the first round. Guaranteed, we know it. I know you're thinking, okay, that's four teams. The way it works, though, is that the Nets and the Cavs are playing each other. The winner of that game is the seven seed. You don't have to worry about it. So the team that wins the Nets-Cavs series, as a Heat fan, you do not have to worry about. They're the seven seed. And that game is in Brooklyn, just to say. That, that game is in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Now, the loser of that game is still alive and will play the winner of the Hawks-Hornets game. So the Hawks-Hornets loser is out. The Hawks-Hornets winner advances to take on the Heat Cavs or the Nets-Cavs loser. And that team, the winner of that game, which we suspect will likely be what? The Nets. You know, the Nets will move on. We suspect it would be the Cavs and then the Hawks or Hornets and the Heat would face that team. Do you have a preference? Are you in that I don't want to play the Nets under any circumstance team? Or does it really matter? Do the Heat beat any of these four teams? I, I don't know that I would say there are any circumstances. I'll say this about Brooklyn. Look, I, if you're playing Brooklyn, you don't want that to be a possession-for-possession possession game in the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with the way Brooklyn plays defense, you could get a 12-14 to 14 point lead in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, I was watching the game against the Pacers, and, and by the way, this is a game that meant a lot to Brooklyn on Sunday. They won. They won handily. But they couldn't, they couldn't defend. I don't know if they could defend the local 10 three-on-three team. I mean, it's it's bad. Their defense debatable, is debatable. terrible, terrible, terrible. So, look, I. It, but with all that said, you don't want to have to play Brooklyn and Philadelphia or or uh, Philly or why am I blanking? Philly or who they play? Toronto. The Philadelphia plays Toronto in the first right, round. Right, right. So you, you don't want to have to play. That is Brooklyn. the guaranteed matchup in the second round. For right. The, for so you wouldn't want to. You don't wouldn't want to have to play Brooklyn and then Philadelphia potentially, and then potentially Boston or Milwaukee. You don't want to have to mm-hmm. play three of the potential contenders back to back to back. So to me, it's just a case of just being a little easier there. Uh, so I would say, in order of preference, I would probably want to play Charlotte first, Cleveland second. Atlanta third and Brooklyn fourth. And honestly, Will, the gap between three and four, I don't think is as big for me as I think it is for a lot of because I think Atlanta poses some some tough matchups for the I, I think the Heat would win, but I don't think it would be this this sweep or or maybe even a gentleman sweep. It may be something that goes six games because the, the the Hawks, for whatever reason, when John Collins is out there, they just have a way of giving the Heat trouble. So I, I guess that would be my order. It'd be Charlotte first, Cleveland second, Atlanta third, and Brooklyn fourth. For a breakdown, though, for those wondering, this year the Heat against those opponents, they went 3-1 and one against the Nets. Now, granted, in a lot of those games, there was a lot of question marks with Kyrie and Durant as far as they play, you know. But, I mean, in the end, they went 3-1. They went 3-1 against the Nets. I thought they played them well because the beauty of the Heat defensively is that yes. they can take one player out, and I don't think yeah. the Nets have a third guy that scares you. So, in a series, while, look, ideally you don't want to face Kevin Durant in a seven-game series. You just don't. Not Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, because anything truly can happen. But the Heat can find a way to kind of negate one of those guys, and then all of a sudden you're leading one guy to try to beat you. 
And I like the Heat's chances in that. But I would say that the Nets are the more dangerous team out of that four. I don't think that's speaking crazy. I think most people agree. But again, the Heat went three and one against those teams. The Heat went one and two against the Cavs this year, which is very bizarre. They had one game where they got blown out, a couple of games where they got blown out by the Cavs. There was something early in the season that the Heat didn't match up well. They ended up beating them later in the year. And I think that the Heat in that matchup, the Cavs have really faded late. They've been one of the more disappointing teams in the second half of the season. They're young. Yeah, and Jared Allen getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. Jared Allen getting hurt's been a big, big part of that. And, and yeah. I also think, look, with, with Cleveland, they're going to be the happy to be there team. And. Yeah. I, I just think it's one of those teams, and, and look, their size does give Milwaukee, uh, give Miami trouble. Yeah, um, in a regular that's why, scenario. I, that's why I think I'll be honest with you. The team I don't, the team I, I would say the teams I don't want to face. Right, Brooklyn is one. I would put the Cavs too. I would love to face the Hawks or the Hornets. He went three and one, three and one against the Hawks this year, and four and zero against the Hornets. Now the Hornets would be number one by far. The Heat dominate the Hornets. Their yeah, head coach the yeah. day even said this team we're clearly not in their category. I mean the way they yeah. play, we haven't been you know all season. And they four and zero the Heat and three and one against the Hawks. Trey Young is great. You mentioned John Collins. The Heat again, they can neutralize a player whether it's take away Collins' size and kind of negate that a little bit or put a lot of bodies on Trey Young, throw multiple guys at him to make him chuck shots as he did the other night in their game. I think the Heat beat the Hornets in four or five. I think they beat the Hawks in five. That, to me, would be the ideal first-round matchup. But again, for that to happen, you know, they would have to get through Cleveland, who I think is the team that loses. Now, if the Nets lose in that game against Cleveland, and Cleveland's a seven, I think the Nets handle business, and then all of a sudden you got you got yourself a a series. To have to face Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would be tough. But my biggest takeaway from this late, you know, push in the final week is that they don't have to play the Bucks or the Celtics in the second round. To me, that gauntlet, like you imagine if it had been Brooklyn, for a while it was looking like it might be that way. Brooklyn yep. in the first round, Boston in the second round, before you get to Milwaukee in the finals. I don't know as good as the Heat are. I don't know if I would have I, I could have sat here with a straight face and said, I think that he'd make it to the NBA finals. Where now, if you're looking at Atlanta in the first round a Philly in the second, and then you've got that matchup against that Boston, Brooklyn, you know, whatever it may be, all of a sudden, I like your chances. I like, I could say with a straight face that I think the Heat are making it to the NBA Finals. Turn our attention to kind of the game within the game. The player that I think you and I both agree will be the difference maker in these playoffs, and that's Tyler Hero. Jimmy Butler said Tyler's playing his best basketball. Tyler didn't really dispute it. How could you the way he's played of late? What has been the ascension of Tyler to you that you see and how can he be that X factor and the guy that truly is a difference maker for the Heat in the playoffs? I think it's incredible the difference that the work that he did in the offseason on his body has made mm-hmm. as this season has gone on. And He's I got think better. He doesn't look tired. He doesn't look no, beat up. That's it. That's it. And, and well, it's twofold. Number one, yes, as the season's gone on, and he's still – he's just, what, 21 years old, right? I mean, it's, it's 21 or 22. Rapid, I mean, 22. We, yeah. Wrap it up his third year in the NBA. We, we forget. It's crazy. He was barely allowed to drink. I mean, so it's like, I think people, because he's been around so long, it feels like, and you know, he had such a, a hot start and had that ascension in the bubble that many people forget how young he is. And he had to mature into his body old. a little bit yeah. and give him credit, by the way, for working hard in the off season to get stronger, but it's twofold. It's that his body is not worn down because he's stronger. And the other thing is the body control. And you see him when he gets into the, yeah. he just, he has this, this sixth sense and he always has for finding spots where the defender can't get to the ball 
And, and it's funny because uh, I've actually gotten back into playing basketball a little bit. We were playing with some guys the other night, and there was a guy that we were playing against who just he, – he wasn't tall. He didn't have long arms, but he just found a way to, like, use his shoulder, contort his body to get the ball in places where, where nobody could swat it away. And that's what I see with Tyler Hero. It's like, oh, he finds ways now to use his strength to create just enough separation to get to a spot where he's comfortable shooting it and the defender can't get it. So I, I just think it's these, this culmination of him working hard, him maturing, his body maturing, and, and kind of him finding his way with all that. And, and by the way, Will, I mean, confidence matters. And he's always had swag. He's never been shy to shoot the ball. But I think mm-hmm. now it's, hey, I know that I'm going to be able to get to a spot where you can't block it and I'm not going to miss. And How crazy I, I is this, though? It's happening over and over. Yeah, it is. How crazy is this on a team that has Jimmy Butler, right, who's a multiple-time All-Star and clearly one of the better two-way players in the league, a team that has Kyle Lowry, who's a world champ at a 15-time, you know, 15-year-plus in the NBA, multiple-time All-Star, played at the highest levels. A team that has Bam Adebayo, one of the ascending stars of the NBA on the Olympic team and an All-Star and all these things. A team that has Duncan Robinson, who's set, you know, he's got the top three three-point shooting seasons in Heat history, Duncan Robinson. That if I had one shot for one player in one moment in one big playoff game, that guy right there, Tyler Hero, is the guy I want to take that shot for the Heat. I don't know. You know, there are some people that think that's crazy or there are other people that think that that's a bad thing because that means you, it's nothing to do with not trusting Jimmy. I think Jimmy can take an attack. We saw what he did in the finals a couple of years ago with the Lakers. I think Kyle Lowry has proven throughout his career he's not afraid to take a big shot. Bam as well to create and try to make a move. All those guys will have to do something in the playoffs in big moments. I mean, that, that goes without saying. But if you were – if the heater – down one or tie game, whatever it may be, and there's 11 seconds left. They got to end down the ball, and they're playing in a second-round series against Philly or an Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee or, or Boston. I want Tyler Hero taking that shot. I feel like he can take the shot. He can create. He can hit off glass. He can penetrate. He can find a way to, to get a mid-range, whatever it may be. I want Tyler Hero taking that shot. Clay, if you would have told me that three months ago, if you would have asked me that, I, I wouldn't have said that. You would have told me that maybe two months ago, a month ago, I wouldn't have said that. Right now, as they go into the playoffs, I say it, and I mean it as a positive toward the Heat because they still have all those other guys that can create and do their things. Yet Tyler, to me, is the guy that I think opposing defenses are going to look at in the biggest moments and say, we can't let this kid beat us. We can't let him attack. We can't let him use his body control, working off glass, the shot that he's developed so well, the mid-range, the step-back three. How do you see that little step-back three that he's perfected? The floater in the lane. I mean, I joked with Tyler during the season after a game interviewing him and said, you know, hey, man, you got a lot of moves. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, you know, my bag. I, I got I got a lot of things in my bag. That bag is like, you know what I mean? It's like it's like a woman walking out of like a, a Chanel store with seven different <laughs> bags, you know. That's what that bag looks like for Tyler Hero right now, full of moves. He's the guy I want taking the shots in the biggest moments. And I think he's going to be the reason that the Heat are a team that can make it to the NBA Finals. It's interesting watching him because, you know, if you watch other really good scorers in the NBA, a lot of them have spots that they try to get to on the floor. Jimmy Butler, you see him all the time. He tries to get spots where he's comfortable taking a jumper. Dwayne Wade, especially towards the end of his career, was the king of it. Jason Tatum is another one that you watch him. Tyler doesn't have a spot. He didn't, he didn't have a couple of spots. He has really anywhere on the floor he's comfortable finding an area and just mm-hmm. he has such great touch that – he doesn't have one or two spots where he's just drilled it over and over and over again in practice, shot the same shot a hundred times from the same place. So he knows exactly how to, to, to get it off of his hands to go in. I don't know how you defend that. 
And and to me, well, to, to your original point, he's the Heat's best offensive player. And I, I don't think it's particularly close. Now, if you want to talk about like uh, Kyle Lowry being the facilitator in addition to how much he's been scoring lately and say, oh, well, I'd give him that. I'm not going to argue with her, with you, but uh, I think the the distance right now between Tyler Hero as a scorer and anybody else on the Heat team, I, I don't think it's close. And so maybe in those moments late in games, whereas throughout the regular season, you put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands and just let him go create a play. Maybe it's one of those things where you just assume that the best defender on the other team is going to think that Jimmy Butler is going to have the ball. Mm-hmm. And you give it to Tyler and you let him work on their second best defender as opposed to the best defender. So I, I just think to your, to your original point about the number of guys on this team and the fact that I, Hero has emerged as the best offensive player, at least the best scorer, mm-hmm. you have so many options that if I'm, that if I'm the is crazy coach, who do I put my best defender on? down the stretch and and it's tough and and to me i i think i'd probably put my best defender on jimmy if i don't if i don't know what's coming and then tyler hero's sitting there like okay give me your second or your third best guy and let's go yeah and i and i think i like that plan i i like that because i think in biggest moments you know again jimmy's gonna have the ball in his hands kyle's gonna be facilitating bam's gonna do his thing down low but I think those guys in many occasions will look to Tyler. Now, look, if, if it's a situation we've seen it in Jimmy's, you know, three years with the Heat, he'll attack the basket. He'll either get fouled or get an and one or get a basket, whatever, get to the foul line. That's going to be a big part of the attacking in games. And I think the Heat have to maintain that pace. The one thing we saw in the moments they struggled, you know, we're talking at all these great things. The Heat were the most consistent team in the NBA. They were over 500 every month this year, every month. They pretty much ran the East from beginning to end. They were always in that top level and eventually ended up being the number one seed. They had the little stretch where we talked about earlier where we joked about, you know, Spo throwing the clipboard and all the emotion and stuff. But when you look at the depth, it's almost not a headache, but it is a situation that Eric Spolster has to figure out. Now, Spo was asked about it after the Orlando game on Sunday, and and he was asked about opponents and rotations, and he said, look, guys, this isn't, this isn't like we haven't had the last four or five months to figure this out. I mean, Spo obviously has an idea what he's going to do, but let's get in Spo's mind and try to figure it out because he's not going to tell us. A playoff rotation for the Heat. We know the starters are going to stay the same. You know, he's moved in with Max Struess and credit to Spo. He puts Struess in that starting lineup to go with Bam and Kyle, Jimmy, PJ. That's the starting lineup. We know Tyler's the sixth man of the year. We already talked about what he can do. Duncan, I think, is a great option to give you those moments. Again, how many teams have the luxury of having Duncan Robinson like that come off the bench that can get hot, hit you six, seven, eight threes in a key playoff game? But when you get deeper into that, right, you know, you get past that. You know Spoh's not going to go more than nine deep most nights in the playoffs. Dwayne Dedman's got to be in there, right? Right? Where's Caleb Martin? Where's Gabe Vincent? How much run do they get? And then I think the question all Heat fans want to answer is, where does Victor Oladipo fit into these plans? All season, Clay, we talked about, can't wait to get Oladipo and Markeith Morris healthy, see what they can do when this team can be full you know, full health, right? Those guys may not have a role in the playoffs. I would say right now, as we speak, right, they don't have a role in the playoffs, at least not for that opening series. How does it shake out in your mind? So I, I think you're right towards the top of that rotation. And I also think that it's going to be matchup specific when you get to, to kind of the bottom of that. Because, I, look, if you're going up against, let's say, an Atlanta team, right, you're going to have to have Caleb Martin playing more minutes because he's shown that he can play really good defense on Trey Young. Yeah. If you're going up against a Cleveland and 
you feel like your big guys are starting to get worn on a little bit, or you need more. Time. Maybe you do have Yurtsman Yurtsman get a couple of minutes against a team who plays multiple seven footers, right? So it's I think there are a couple of matchups that you look at where you're like, okay, even though Yurtsman uh, may not look like he's going to have in general a role, you can see spots where he may play more. I think your point about Victor Oladipo is a really good one in that when you're talking about the general rotation, I don't know if he's going to be out there. Because if you're asking me right now who I think is a better fit in this rotation with a lot of guys who are going to be ball dominant offensively, it's going to be Caleb Martin. If you're telling me between Caleb Martin and Victor Oladipo, who's the guy that's going to be the better guy when it comes to not needing the ball in his hands to be effective? Look, Caleb's a good enough outside shooter at this point where he can just sit in the corner and create a little he bit shot, of space. He shot better than Duncan Robinson this year. Granted, not with the it's volume, crazy. but he became a very good shooter. Yeah. The other thing he does is, you know, we talk about his energy, his athleticism. Man, he is a problem for other teams when it comes to rebounding the basketball because he flies in. You can't just do your normal, oh, I'm just going to block out my man and, and go get the ball. He can jump over guys to where he has guys kind of turning their heads a little bit. And then you add in the defensive element. Victor Oladipo in his prime, fantastic defender. Caleb Martin and what he's able to do and the problems that he's able to cause because of his length and his athleticism, especially when he's going up, going up against somebody like a Trey Young, a smaller player who he can body, he causes real problems. So I think when you're talking about the set general rotation, mm-hmm. I think you've got somebody like Caleb Martin ahead of a Victor Oladipo. But I agree with you. Said, I, if if yeah. you have an injury, if you have an injury and you need somebody maybe who's a little bit more ball dominant out there, maybe that's where Oladipo would carve out a bit of a role, but that's down the road. I think the only way that Oladipo sees at least early in the playoffs, any kind of role is if they fall behind in a game and you need the instant offense. Caleb is not the instant offense that Victor could be right. Victor probably has to ISO a little more and do things, you know, take threes, uh, attack the basket a little bit more than Caleb. He's a more proven scorer when he's fully healthy. We know that. But I don't think that right now his game, where it's at, translates to what the Heat needs. And I think Caleb, as you just referenced there, I I think you made a great point of what he could be. You know, So when you look at the playoff rotation and you go through and you look at Bam, Jimmy, Kyle, PJ, Struess, Duncan, Tyler, you're going down the list and you get Deadman, Gabe, that's nine, ten, Caleb. I mean, where does Victor, where does Morkeith? I don't know how deep you could go for all those guys. I think there are going to be – I think Spoh's going to look at it matchup specific, as you just mentioned. I think there's going to be guys that – I think Caleb could very well be shut out of certain matchups in certain games. I think Gabe could as well, and I definitely think initially Victor will be. As well as he played in those final two games where he had, what, 60 – I think over 60 points. He had 40 in the finale, uh, 21 in, in, in the previous game that he played. I don't know how he fits because of the comfort. How do you not give Gabe Vincent minutes? Gabe has not only been good, a menace defensively as well, but he's been shooting the three well. He's been attacking and creative, and he can handle. He can ball handle. He's become a good ball handler as kind of a – he's really a natural two two guard, but he's worked his way into being a a competent point guard. Now, for the Heat, it's a little different because of the positionless stuff, and you know that, you know, Bam's going to move the ball up the court sometimes. Jimmy's going to do it. Obviously, Kyle is as well. But again – these options you're spinning around going, Dwayne has to get minutes to, to spell BAM. You know, if Spoh's only going to go nine deep, it's it really will be matchup specific and they don't know the matchup. But I, I don't, I don't, I think there's going to be stretches where you don't see a lot of victory. You don't see a lot of Caleb, you don't see a lot of Gabe. Those guys are, and I definitely think Markeith and Omer, you know, are more, 
are not going to see much time. I don't think Ole Miss no, sees any no. time other than a situation, as you mentioned, maybe a couple minutes. But I don't know how more Keith thoughts. gets him. Where does more Keith get minutes? How do yeah, you, you know, I, I mean, Keith is a guy with championship experience. How do you get him minutes? Yeah, I mean, the only way is if, if PJ Tucker, if, if the calf injury lingers a little bit and, and you're ending up going a little bit further down in, in uh, the big man rotation. But yeah, I mean, that's now the depth and where it really helps is if you, you have some guys maybe that have some lingering injuries and you look at it and you say, okay, will 80% of player X be more effective than 100% of player Y coming off yeah. the bench, then maybe you can make those sorts of decisions. If you remember a few years ago or a couple of years ago in the bubble, when Goran Dragic went down and man, he was killing himself to try to get out there and he, he wasn't anywhere near, you know, but they yeah. didn't have the type of depth back. Yeah. Then. The, the depth, the depth is different. So let's end it with this. I think it's a question everybody wants to know. How far can the heat go? How far do you truly – we take off our – we cover this team. Obviously, you start to really you, – you love to see them play. We get a better look at what this team has been than maybe nationally where people, I think, underestimate what the Heat can be. But it's – and we, we talked earlier about that. We both agree they can be. I think the best team in the East. You think they can be. Do they come out of the East? How far can this team go? I, can they? Yes. I mean, it's, it's hard because I think you and I both agree that they are – either the best or second best team in the Eastern Conference. So sure they can win the Eastern Conference. But any team that wins the East is going to have to have a couple of breaks fall their way. I mean, the Bucks were a, a Kevin Durant shoelace last year from, yeah. from not, not – And they won the championship. And they ended up going – so you have to have a few breaks fall your way, and, and I think they will too to get to the finals. I will say this. The Phoenix Suns terrify me. <laughs> really? I, I would like I, that problem, though. I would I, love to be facing I, I, Phoenix. Yes, yes. What is Phoenix like in, in June? Um, but uh, I, I don't see anybody beating Phoenix in the final, so I'll put that out there right now. But I certainly think the Heat have as good a chance as, as anybody. Um, maybe if they get, if, if they get to the final, sign me up now. I think they're the yeah. best team of the East, as I referenced earlier. And I know that, you know, maybe I'm a homer. That's fine. Call me a homer. But I just look at their depth. Their depth is better than any Heat team in the last few years. Their depth is as good as when you look at depth. They don't have the star at the top, like when they had the big three. But their depth along the way is as good as the big three years. When you look yep. at just the amount of players, spoke, we just referenced some of the guys in the rotation who aren't going to play. Proven NBA players who have been all-stars and champions that aren't going to play probably a lot in the playoffs. Uh, I think the biggest thing with the Heat is, my, if there's any concern, is that there's two things. They live and die with their with their threes. Yep. If for some reason a team can somehow push them out and, and make them uncomfortable and, and really – you know, hurt their spacing and they're not getting that rhythm and hitting those three and, 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 you know, taking good looks and making the extra passes. And then all of a sudden it becomes more of an isolation game where it's really not the strength of Bam and Jimmy. Their strength is moving the ball around and cutting to the basket, pick and rolls, open man, extra passing in the three. If you make the heat one dimensional and kind of slow down their game and you don't have the Kyle chaos and and you're in, in your wait till the end of the shot clock to chuck threes and, and the ISO game with Jimmy at the end, you know, remember last year, the Jimmy save us moments at the, in the playoffs yeah. didn't work. That's how you beat the heat. I don't know how you make them do that, but I think that's how teams are figuring it out. So my concerns for the heat are twofold. If you can make them get away from their three and you can make them be more isolation and not move the ball around, or they struggle from three, it's a problem. And then late game situations and where you go, how you close has been a problem, even for a team that won 53 games this year and was the third best team in the NBA record-wise. I think that's the question marks. Do I think the Heat have figured it out? Yeah, I think Spo has a good idea. But Clay, if you're going to look and really say, take the homer hat off, there are questions about this team. If you can, again, find the way to get them away from the three-point and hitting those shots – 
find them to be more isolation. And if you at the end of games, late game situations, how they handle it, that's how you beat the Heat. Yeah, because to your point, that's that's the I don't want to say the only area where they've consistently struggled this year, but they, they don't seem to know what they're doing at times down the stretch offensively. Fair. Now, that, that did change recently, and it really changed when we, we actually talked about this on Sports Sunday, where Kyle Lowry becoming more of a scoring threat. He, he has, turned a switch on, though. He absolutely turned a switch on late in the season. And, and it's kind of like when, you know, if you're going up against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen starts to roll out of the pocket, I mean, it's bad enough that he can throw the ball 70 yards down the field, but you can't take your eyes off of him because he can run 70 yards down the field yeah. too. With Kyle Lowry, it's def- it's different when he's scoring because guys can't just play the passing lanes anymore. And I feel like that's been part of the change late in games now that yeah. he's coming off picks and guys can't just look for where their man is because Kyle can just take it right to the basket, as we saw the game against yeah. Charlotte in particular. So that's the setup for the Heat. Again, we uh, we do and we finish this podcast, and we will know as you listen to it this week. We won't know until Friday night who the Heat will play in the first round. Now, Wednesday, we'll have an idea of the final two. So we'll know who the playing game, the final playing game for the eighth seed will be by Wednesday. So we'll have an idea what that Friday game will be. But we will not know officially who the Heat will play until Friday night. Of course, we got full coverage on Little 10 online. You can always tweet Clay. Uh, at, at Clay WPLG. You can tweet me at my work account at Wolmanser WPLG. Any heat questions, we certainly post plenty of stories. We'll have full coverage. So, Clay, we'll have some fun during the playoffs. And not long from now, we'll also start talking some Panthers playoffs here on the pod, uh, looking ahead. So, we got some good times ahead. You ready for this uh, long grind that ends in Phoenix? Let's do it. <laughs> I'm calling it. It ends in Phoenix. Ready for the desert. Yeah, exactly. I heard it's, it's a dry heat. Love, it's a dry, it's a dry lovely. The Phoenix in June, nothing better. We'll talk about it.